Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. Before we get into a great message from Pastor Kevin today, we want to let you know if you would like to give to what God is doing here in Cersei, you can go online at newlifechurch.tv slash giving. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at NLC Cersei. During this time of self-isolation and quarantine due to COVID-19, we're having services online. You can join us Sunday mornings at 1030 on Facebook and YouTube or Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear a great message from Pastor Kevin. Hey guys, so glad to have you back here with us on another Wednesday night. So welcome to, I guess, what we're going to go ahead and call our midweek worship. So we're kind of getting used to this format. And um, as always, like I tell you every single week, we miss you guys a lot. We can't wait uh, to get back to some normalcy. And if you've been following along in the news this week, then you know that we're moving in that direction. The governor has um, made some statements about uh, putting a date out there in early May for us to start the rollout to get things back to normal here in our state, and that's going to include our church, so we're so glad about that. Hey, listen, I know that on Sunday, uh, Pastor Rick talked about pain and um, he met with Rick and Ellen, and they shared their great story of just kind of going through a personal story of pain and trauma and how the Lord blessed them and ministered to them in that, in that time. And if you are joining us tonight and you have not been able to listen to that, I want you to go back and do that for me. So um, the link will be on our page, actually. And so uh, go back and just watch Sunday's message with Pastor Rick and Rick and Ellen and you're going to love what you hear and what what you see there. So, like you, I have completely exhausted Netflix, okay? And I'm serious, too. I got like an email from them this week that said, you did it! And so, I've watched it all, I've seen it all, and so, I have moved on to YouTube channels, okay? Now, this has not been good for me, because those things are addictive. They only last five to six minutes, and for some weird reason, just about the time I think I'm going to reach up and move on, another one starts. And so the topic is constantly changing, and it only amps up the engagement, my curiosity. And um, I've had to start setting a timer for myself because if I watch one, I watch five. And so quick, I can burn through a half hour on, on those things. But one thing I've learned about going through YouTube channels is this. There's two specific channels that I actually love, okay? Now, one of them is a, it's stupid, but it's this guy that details cars, okay? Now, I love um, detailing cars, too. I've always been a car guy, and I know what, what you're thinking. You drive a Kia Sportage, you can't be a car guy. So, most car guys have something really cool in their go- garage. You know, they've got a an old Chevelle or Mustang or something like that, uh, some type of muscle car. Um, but the thing about this channel that's so addictive is the instant gratification that pe- people get from watching him clean these cars. And he's got like 4 million followers, and all he does is put on one video a week of him deep detailing a car. And I will get so into it, and he's like, hey, I'm about to come back and extract all this dirt out of this seat. And I'm like, you're right, you are. You get that dirt out of that car. And I just really am locked locked into it. 
Well, the second show that I like is similar in terms of instant gratification for me because it's this older guy who just restores stuff. And so I have watched him restore all kinds of things in the past couple of weeks. Uh, he did an old World War II um, Zippo lighter. Uh, he's done a, a mounted grinder, like, like a countertop mounted grinder. He um, uh, Last night I watched him do a, an old push mower, like the kind our grandparents used that didn't have an engine or anything. And he totally tears it all down, fixes all the broken parts, and puts it back together, and it looks like he just took it out of a store yesterday. And it's so satisfying to me. I can watch 20 of those in a, a, a row. There's something about watching something return to its former glory and to look beautiful one, one more time. So let me take that and put it in a box and come back and get that in just a minute. Every day at some point, and my wife can vouch for this, I take a drive. And we joke around with it because I'm like an old man with it. I, I just get in my car alone. I don't take my family. And I drive around. I do it every single day. Sometimes it's short. It's 10, 15 minutes. Other times it, it's an hour. And I'll drive through the neighborhoods of our community and I'll pass up all the restaurants that are closed and Maybe I'll drive through downtown, which is actually where we're shooting this video today. There's not a car in sight, and it's quiet, and all the lights and the businesses are off. And I'll drive by all of our awesome churches in this community, and all I do is think. Sometimes I'll talk to God about places I'm passing, or I'll have a memory, because I've lived in this city since I was a teenager. So I remember going to see a movie at, at the Rialto how I used to buy gas at a location where there's no longer even a gas station, so on. And I'll just think, and I'll talk to God, and I'll, I'll ponder. And as I was out on a drive this week, I noticed something different. In a neighborhood that's not very far from mine, two homes had burnt down in the past 12 months. And when you first drive by, you know, you kind of have that, you're kind of taken aback, not as much as the homeowner, but you're taken aback and go, oh man, a house burnt. And for a minute, you kind of empathize with them. You think about all the things that they lost, or were they able to get their pictures out, or a sentimental um, moment, or an object, rather. And you just think, man, I wonder if they lost everything. Well, as I go out on these daily drives, and sometimes I pass up those same burnt homes, I, I watch that process unfold. So it's like for a couple of weeks or maybe even a couple of months, you see just the rubble sitting there and everything is charred. And then maybe you go back the next week and a bulldozer has come out and hauled all that off in a dump truck. It gets down to the foundation. And this week as I was driving, one of those homes is almost 100% rebuilt and a team of framers we're out framing up a new house where one of those homes had once stood. And as I've watched these processes take place, I get excited again for those families. And I don't know them, but I just think about, you know, all the memories they may have had at a certain location. And now here they are restoring what once had burnt down. And once again, that thing in me that is instantly satisfied with seeing progress comes out and I start thinking about those families. 
again on my drive this week, I noticed people are sprucing. You know, spring is 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 here, and the yards are being spruced up, and you see people outside, and man, they're mulching and power washing and cleaning the windows outside, and they're detailing their cars, and there's stacks of lumber everywhere. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it's like people are deciding. You know, I'm going to build a shed or build a doghouse or repair something on my house. It's in us to want that, to want to improve something, to make it better, to restore it. And I don't think it's just me, even though I've noticed in the past couple of weeks it's more alive in me than ever before as I've, again, caught on to these YouTube channels. But people are determined to improve, to rebuild, to restore So let's take that and let's move it into Scripture for just a second. So in Mark chapter 9, here's the basic story. A man has brought his child to the disciples and his son is suffering from a spirit, an unhealthy spirit. And he wants the disciples' help in removing it. Well, they can't do it. And so... Ultimately, Jesus hears them kind of arguing amongst themselves, and he comes over and is like, what's going on? And The dad says, well, I I brought my son to your disciples, and they can't do anything. And After Jesus talks to his disciples about it, he walks over to the man, and he says this in verse 23. He says, if you can believe, then all things are possible to him who believes. There's a couple of words that really pop out of this to me. The first one is the word all, because it's so inclusive. It means anything. Anything that could be dreamed up would be included in this. All things are possible, but it's anchored to this one thing, believing. Sometimes believing is tough. I mean, in a, in a way, we're looking at the past four to six weeks of this quarantine, and we're saying to ourselves, I can't believe this is happening. It feels like we're dreaming, like we would have never imagined that the world would shut down the way that it has. But in verse 24, this is the response of of this dad. He says, The father of the child cried out and said with tears, here comes a very powerful statement, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. It, It becomes one of the most popular passages in my own study because it's so relevant, it's so balanced, and it's so real and genuine. I do believe, but there's places in me that still don't. Help me. Help my unbelief. Maybe you're in the same place. Maybe you're like one of those homes that I talked about earlier, that everything is burned to the ground. It's like all that's left of your life or your marriage or your dream is just a pile of rubble, just a mess to clean up and You're struggling to find anything valuable left over from the circumstance. Well, you know what I think? I think that God, our God, is like that guy with a YouTube channel and that He can't wait to restore us. He can't wait to put His hands on us and make everything right, to get down even into the little pieces that no one would notice to the naked eye and fix them. I guess what I'm trying to say there is even at the deepest level of who we are and the most inner sanctum of the soul, that's where God does His best work. It's not superficial work. It's very deep, surgical repair. 
restoration in all the broken places. So just maybe when you talk to God right now, it has nothing to do with quarantine, but everything to do about your life, maybe the past year, past three years or five years, maybe longer, maybe something since your childhood. When you talk to God about them, you say the same thing this dad said in Mark 9. Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. So let me put us on some level ground here. Struggling with unbelief is very common. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a pastor, the Pope, the President. No matter who you are in life, struggling with unbelief is just part of who we are. And I'm going to talk about this for just just a minute, but I'm going to call it something different. Okay, to wrap this up, I want to take this word unbelief and I want to create a synonym and I want to use uncertainty. Everyone is saying right now, no matter what you're following in social media, uncertainty right now is a buzzword. Everybody's saying we're so uncertain about our job so uncertain when this is going to end. We're so uncertain about whether we're safe or not. Are are we doing enough for our kids and whatnot? Uncertainty creeps in, but it's not small. It's like it sneaks in the smallest of crevices, but once it's in, it's a tidal wave. It can totally consume us. So I'm going to talk about uncertainty and just give you five talking points really quick about how uncertainty can flush its way out in our lives. First one would, would be this. Uncertainty can completely sabotage your calling. Okay, now I know you may not use the word calling as much as I do, but that doesn't mean there's not a call of God on your life. You're called to do something. Maybe it's teach children, or it's serve in health care, or it's to run a business. Whatever it is, it's, it's your calling. And it's very, very important because it's the entire purpose as to which you're living your life. And uncertainty can sabotage it because you can forfeit the gift of God on your life over a battle going on in your own mind. Uncertainty completely derail you from the big things, the most important things in your life. Second, uncertainty can weaken your your witness. Meaning, you can spend more time calibrating and recalibrating the own, the, your own trajectory for your life rather than being able to serve and help other people. It's like you're constantly having to work on you to the point that no one else gets a part of you. You can't focus on your kids or your spouse or the people that you're called to help because it's weakened your witness, who you are to other people. Uncertainty will do that. Three, uncertainty is the cancer of Christianity. Um, It's something, again, that can be so small, and one day you wake up and go, how did that mountain of doubt get in, in my life? If your uncertainty becomes the filter by which you live, by which you start to make decisions, if it's the first thing that greets you in the morning, you can quickly build up walls instead of building up the kingdom. Again, and this is not ministry related. This is related to your specific purpose and calling and how God is asking you to live your life out to serve community and other people. Fourth, uncertainty can isolate you, even in a relational culture. 
You may be involved in a family full of extroverts. You may come to new life and people are high-fiving and hugging and so thankful for each other, but even in that relational culture, if you're so full of uncertainty, you can quickly isolate because everyone around you becomes someone who could possibly hurt you. Um, People who stay in a chronic state of doubt, they always struggle to build meaningful relationships. And it's because of that we've built all these walls and barriers up because we're so doubtful that anything is ever going to play out the right way, the way that we planned it. And five, uncertainty is definitely the pressure behind every leak in your life. Okay, now let me give you something really deep and theological. Okay, we all leak. Okay, I know, I know, that's big. Okay, but imagine yourself like just a vessel. Okay, one of those clay vessels and imagine the smallest hairline fracture in the bottom of it and it just slowly drips. That's our life. That's why we have to come back to, to, to church. It's why we've got to get involved in life groups. It's why we've got to learn to worship God in a deeper place because we leak. But uncertainty is the pressure behind that. It pushes what's in us out. It causes us to empty quicker than we want to be. Uncertainty is the weight that weakens our weaknesses. It adds to it. It compounds it. It's the gas on the fire that already exists. That's what uncertainty does. Okay, so how do we resolve this? Let me wrap this up for you. This is what I want you to think about the rest of tonight. The first thing that we can do to resolve this is to simply pray what this sweet dad did in Mark 9. Help me. He acknowledged this was going on. That his soul was torn. It was in two places. I believe. But Lord, there's really some spots in here that I don't believe. That's, that's you and I. Let's be humble enough and knowledgeable enough about what's going on inside to just ask the Lord, help me. Okay? The second thing is this. Be full of the Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's He speaking to your life? I've told you guys this beat before, but I was at an impasse once and I was talking to this this church and considering pastoring there. This was long before I came to New Life. But I was so torn about it. It's like my mind wanted to go, but man, my spirit was just in knots. And I ended up, I told their pulpit committee that, and one gentleman stepped forward and he said, Kevin, what is the Holy Spirit saying? Like, I, I know and sense that your mind is telling you to come here. You see the potential of this place or this city, and but your spirit doesn't seem to be lining up with that. So when you're alone, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? And I told him, I can't come. You know, when I'm with the Holy Spirit, my peace is to continue doing what I'm already doing. So I would give you that same advice. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you in a time of uncertainty? Whether it's your marriage or some inner conflict that you've got. You look at your finances and wonder how in the world is this ever going to change? Um, what's the Holy Spirit saying? Third and final is to give yourself some grace. Okay, Do you know that every Christian has some kryptonite? Every single one of them. Um, even the people that we hold up, my, my mentors that I would look at and go, man, one day I want to be just like that, that person. Even they have kryptonite. 
Give yourself some grace. Okay? Uncertainty is so common. So don't beat yourself up about this. Ask thee, the Lord, help me. And then, what is the Holy Spirit saying? And give yourself some grace in this growth process. God's at work on us, each and every one of us. He's taking us down a path, a journey. And as long as we're willing to humble ourselves and grow, man, He's right there to just lead us and be with us. He loves us. And He cannot wait to put His hands on us and restore every single broken place. And that's what I want to pray with you about tonight. Because some of you are in a battle with yourself, with your mind. You're conflicted. There's something in you that the very smallest piece is sabotaging the rest of it. And I want to pray that the Lord shows you what that is and helps you tonight, okay? Father, I love you. I thank you for your church. I thank you for your word. It's so good and timely. And I pray tonight for every person who's watching this Devo and says to themselves, there's something in me that's just not right. I believe, but man, help my unbelief. So we do that tonight. We ask you for help. Help us. Help every mom, every dad, every child, every teenager trying to discover who they are in the world, every marriage wondering tonight, can we make it? God, the small pieces that only you can get to, would you put your hands down in us and restore? Give us hope, like driving through those neighborhoods, seeing those, those homes being rebuilt on a place that once just held rubble. Let your peace be in our house tonight. We thank you that you are the God who loves us, who restores us, who gives joy in the midst of brokenness. Make us soft to what your Holy Spirit is saying. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.